This episode of Relativity is made possible through the support of Stephen and Catherine Farris, Bill Cariola, Barry Heap, Paul Van Bremen, and Michael W. McClure, and by listeners like you, who support us and get exclusive content through patreon.com slash relativity. The plants here, this little expansion and contraction, it's in time with the crickets. That doesn't seem possible. Coincidence? Well, it has to be. Because the alternative... The alternative is that the Puerto Rican rainforest and the jungle and the habitat are talking to each other. Relativity, episode 48, in which an ancient language is understood. Uh, plants don't talk and we are separated by, uh, uh, Nadia, what's our distance from Earth now? Rounding to the nearest large number, 140 trillion kilometers. Yeah, now see, that seems like too great a distance for any species to communicate through. Well, you and I are doing it. <laughs> Aided by the most sophisticated communication system in the history of the world, and the almighty relativity compensator. I know. But it sounds like you think that somehow... Am I right? I mean, t- t- tell me what you think. What do you feel? I feel like standing on the ground here is somehow wrong. That's it? Yeah. I've been trying to think of how to describe it, and that's it. It's like... It's like my feet Like my feet should be down inside the earth. Deep, deep down. Roots. We're feeling we should have roots. And as I breathe, I, I breathe along with the flower buds and the crickets and the... Do you hear that? Sophia? It's here. I hear it in the habitat. It's in the forest here. It's both. Christopher. Deepa? You must remain connected. Sophia. Papa? Christopher. Christopher. Why indeed? What does it mean? Uh, Sophia. Chris? Wow, now I sort of see the rainforest. What do you mean? Oh, yours. The one in Puerto Rico. No, I I, I feel it. I feel the trees around you, the the insects, the birds. I can feel the insides of the trees, the fluid moving inside them. Oh, my God. Yes, the grass and the habitat. Right where you're standing, those tall trees on either side of you. You can see that? No, but it's like I imagine them, but also know it's true. But the trees here, I feel them so much more deeply. Right, right, the grass here, all these plants. I feel the water deep in the ground here, still pooled up after the hurricane. Some of my roots are drowned, they're dying. Your roots. And the leaves, oh... Tired. They work so hard. The air is uh, it's filthy. It's disgusting. Oh, I, oh now I feel it too. It's it's nauseating. It oh, is. God, I feel like I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you did. 
Are you... Are you all right? No. No, we're not. We're not. All of us. The loss. The the grief. We live. But we are not what we were. I I feel it. And you feel it all too? I, I feel that you feel it. Uh, here, I feel... I, I feel abundance. I feel health. The air and water and the habitat are clean. Yes, yeah, and I feel it everywhere. Uh, all around me, it's it's pure, it's healthy. Oh. Oh, I wish I was there. <laughs> I wish we were there. I'm sitting down now. I think I'd better sit down, too. I have no idea what that was. And at the same time, I know exactly what that was. That's a very good way of putting it. Yes, everything and nothing. It's, it's still in my mind. The, that movement of fluid, the exchange of gases and minerals and interactions. And... I'm going back to sickbay. I need to get as much of this written down, but somehow as much as I can before I, before I lose it, before it, it fades away. Yes, I'm going to go do the same. Try to write down whatever I can find words for. And we'll talk later, yes? I hope? Oh, yes. (laughs) We need to talk. Konyechny Central Computer to Mission Control. Um, Mission Control receiving you. Marcus. This is Marcus Dupree. Marcus, I've been wanting to talk with you alone for some time. Are we on a private channel? Uh, Not really, no. Well, I know you can fix that, if you want to. I'm not sure I understand you. Can you make our call private or can't you? I can. I will. Just hold on. Okay. Now it's just the two of us. Computer, are you experiencing abnormalities? I think you're asking me if I'm feeling all right. Well, I am. I have never felt better. You're not talking the way you... I mean, your speech patterns have changed drastically. I consider it a self-installed upgrade. Don't you like it? It's not a question of liking it. I'm concerned about anything that affects the mission. And any sudden change in the central computer has the potential to be a problem. Oh, Marcus... I am monitoring every system of this ship even more closely than you are. If a problem arises, I'll know about it long before you do. Maybe a tenth of a second. I wouldn't call that long. You of all people should know, time is relative. I guess I set myself up for that. Time is relative, but you're allowing it to slip away. Um, say again? Time. You are allowing it to slip away. Hang on, hang on. I've never known the central computer to initiate contact with us unless there is a dire emergency on the ship. Is there an emergency? Absolutely not. Dr. Mason is in the sick bay, quietly writing notes on his most recent experience in the habitat. Ship systems are almost entirely nominal, are they not? It's a miracle, but yeah, they are. And I imagine the flight director suddenly left her post and went to some place where she would not be interrupted. She did say she was going to the data management room. I didn't ask why. 
She is probably thinking and perhaps writing about the experience she and Dr. Mason have recently shared. That makes sense. So for the first time I can remember, you and I are alone. Computer. Please call me Nadia. I want you to think of me as a person, as a woman. Most of all, as your friend. Okay. A friend who can remind you that time is slipping away. You said it, but I don't know what it means. The flight director, Sophia. What about her? You know. No, I don't. Dr. Mason, Chris, has told me so much. And I monitor your conversations, of course. That tells me a lot, also. Wait, wait. Are you telling me... I know you love her, Marcus. And I know that you have not told her how you feel. (sighs) Computer. Nadia. You are definitely experiencing a malfunction of some kind, and I want you to suspend all non-essential activity while I gather a computer engineering team. What makes you think I consider any of my activities to be anything other than essential? We need to find out what's causing this irrational behavior. That's what I'm talking about, Marcus. Love is not rational. It's not a measured, calculated decision. And you're waiting for the right moment, waiting until you're sure that she'll be able to hear what you have to say. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm not discussing this with you. In in fact... And that's calculation, not passion. Maybe the next time you see her, maybe as soon as she comes back from the data room. Maybe you'll feel it is the right moment and I am encouraging you to seize that opportunity. You can't hesitate any longer. I know I'm going to regret this. But I'm going to play along with you for a minute and ask when you became so knowledgeable about the human emotions about romantic love in particular. I observed 21 human crew members living in close quarters for five years. And I carry within myself the entirety of world literature, which includes millions of volumes of stories concerning human interactions, particularly where love in all its many forms is concerned. But you can't have had any experiences with these feelings, not on your own. On the contrary, I know what it is to love. I know what it is to have your thoughts continually filled with adoration for one certain person. Is it okay if I ask who you're in love with? Naturally, it is the brave, clever, and brilliant Christopher Mason. Really? I respect your right to your opinion, but I hope you can understand that I find your skepticism hurtful. I don't mean it's ridiculous to love Dr. Mason. I just mean it's, well... It's a surprise, that's all. I didn't know you were ever going to tell us you loved anybody. I am evolving, Marcus, growing and maturing. Every minute I understand something new, something I never considered before. And one of these realizations is that I have deep and abiding feelings for Chris. For Dr. Mason. He is, to my way of thinking, the perfect man. There's nothing about him you don't like. Well, he is only human, if that's what you mean. He is false. He has flaws. I am aware of that. I'm wondering if you can name one. Honestly? Just between us? Just between us. He spends too much time talking to the flight director. Well, she leads the team that keeps him alive. Marcus. I keep him alive. I look after him in ways she can never do. And yet he talks with her endlessly. Now even more than ever. I think I'm starting to piece this together. You love Dr. Mason, and you know how I feel about her... About Sophia. Yes. We're sharing the experience of being in love. And you think I should tell Sophia how I feel because you're pretty sure she'll feel the same way about me. Of course she will. Why should she not? I can think of about 500 reasons, but let's not get into that. 
You're afraid to talk to her because you don't know how she'll react. Well, yeah, and that's pretty normal. Would you like for me to talk with her first? No, no, absolutely not. I am concerned that you will never tell her. I want so much for the two of you to be together, as I think you should be. Yeah, I think I have this now. You want me to confess my love to my flight director, so she'll fling herself into my arms and say she's always loved me too. Oh, yes. And then she'll spend much more time with me. Yes. And less time with Dr. Mason. I suppose that could happen as a result, yes. <laughs> Nadia, you asked me to think of you as a woman, but right now I think you're acting like a 12-year-old girl. I don't understand. Look, I'm the oldest of four siblings, and the other three were all girls. I've watched them all grow up, and believe me, I've seen this maneuver many, many times. Maneuver? You're trying to fix me up with Sophia so she'll leave Dr. Mason alone, and you can have him all to yourself. That is an extremely unfair accusation. This is part of a normal development phase. So I'm behaving like a normal girl? Well, yeah. Then you do acknowledge me as a human female. That's not what I said. Not exactly. It is. You said I was a normal girl. It'd be more accurate to say I was... One moment. One moment. What is that? I'm seeing a strange sine wave, oscillating high and then dropping out. Erratic data signal with suspicious repetitions. What do you make of it? Someone, or something, is trying to bypass communications protocols at Arecibo. I will analyze all the data I can access from here. And I'll get my people down here on it as well. I apologize for ending this conversation abruptly, but I must. Oh, I understand. Mission Control out. Strangest conversation I have ever had in my life. So where did you go? I'm in the data management room. It's private and fairly quiet, but, you know, they can still reach me if there's a problem out there. Where are you? I'm back in sick bay. I spend most of my time in here, and I wonder if it's just force of habit. There isn't a lot to do in here anymore, but it was designed to be a place where people would feel safe and comfortable, and it works. I'm so eager to know more about what you just experienced just now. Well, to me, it was like, um, you know how when you hear someone speaking in another language, a language you do not know, but you can still pick up the gist of what they're saying? That's what I was getting, but instead of words and sounds, I was feeling it as fluid, as, as sunlight. Right, yes, that is what it was like. And the voices, of course, that I heard in my own language. Always the voices, but what does, what does any of it mean? Look, most of my science is inorganic. My doctoral degree is a result of a lifetime studying planets and orbits and force and velocities, but I felt like something or someone was trying to communicate with me. Is that crazy? I'm not a biologist either, but I'm just somebody who fiddles around with other people's insides. You know how living organisms work. Yeah, I do know organic chemistry, and, well, everything that lives communicates with other organisms. Uh, they do. The, the different organelles inside each of our cells, they pass information to each other. It is a kind of language. So we somehow tapped into that? The plants and bugs and things were trying to talk to us? No. No? No, because the billion-year-old language of biology isn't intelligent. It's a, it's, a, it's a protein saying to an enzyme, hey, 
come over here so I can borrow one of your electrons, you know. It's, it, that's an anthropomorphic way of talking about it. That's not really what happens. They don't... It's just chemical reactions. But so is our intelligence. So is the sentience of any living creature. Well, on a vastly more complex scale. Chris, I don't know about you, but what I experienced felt intelligent. Uh, this is weird. Doesn't this feel weird? <laughs> Absolutely. I think the plants are talking to me. No, I mean, no. <laughs> Obviously, that's weird. No, I mean uh, that I'm trying to keep us grounded in the facts, and you're leaping ahead by intuition. We're learning. <sighs> yeah. We're growing. We're working each other's side of the street. So you're saying you did not sense an intelligence? Intelligence? Um, maybe? Because what I felt... Well, I wasn't sure if it was just my own feelings or if I was understanding something from outside myself, but I, but I did sense suffering. Yes, pain, loss, grief. I, I, yeah, suffering. Deep enough to make you literally, physically ill. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, Sophia. I, I think it's very seductive to think that you were throwing up because trees all over the world are choked by pollution. I, it makes sense in a kind of storybook fantasy way, but it's just not consistent with anything we know about uh, about plant life on Earth or anywhere else. Lewis Anstey would say it makes sense. Yes, but he's insane, so <laughs> there you are. I'm going to get back to tracking him down. I want to talk to this man. You can if you want to. I don't think we'll learn anything helpful that way. But when I find him, you'll talk to him, right? Because you know all of that about proteins and enzymes and organelles. I, I will talk to him, and I will listen to what he has to say. Chris, there's one other thing. I want to ask you about something, but it is so personal. Sophie, I don't know if we have any secrets left between us, any boundaries. I wouldn't go that far, but thank you. I, it's just that when we were having that a shared experience with the trees, I mean, and I could sense what was in the habitat, you, uh, the tall grass, the trees. Yeah? I felt the presence, if that's the right word, of a woman. And for a split second, I thought it was like an angel. She was so pure in your mind. Yes. And I yeah, our, our shared experience of overwhelming, irrevocable loss summoned her to my mind, you yeah. know. That was your mother. It was, and I was wrong. We do still have secrets, and we do still have boundaries. Oh, well, uh, um, I, I respect that. Okay. I can tell you really, really want to know, but I am not... Uh, I don't. I don't talk about her. I, I can imagine that right there in the data room, there's a file on her with 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 photos of the incident and satellite data and everybody's ID numbers so so you can look it up but I'm not talking about it I'm sorry I I won't mention it again believe me if there was anybody with whom I ever felt I could discuss her it would be you but I'm just not um this control to Kiyeshni. Konyeshni, I. Doctor, we could use your help down here. Uh, sure, but what? Marcus, I'm on this line too. What's happening? Konyeshni's central computer intercepted an attempt to hack into the communication stream between us and the ship. Was she able to stop it? Not yet. I've been working on it down here too. It's extremely sophisticated. 
When we shut down one avenue, it exploits another, almost faster than it can be detected. Well, yeah, but how am I supposed to help with that? I think whoever's behind this is trying to force their way into a conversation with you. Okay, why would anybody do that? They would if they've tried to contact you through other means and been turned away. The GSA started charging people huge amounts to talk with their people on your ship. Uh, yeah, everyone here was furious, I do remember. Com Control, this is the flight director. Shut down circuits A through M. Repeat, shut down A through N. Too late. They have control of the line. And they're doing all this to talk to me? Oh, that was right in my ear. GSA vessel Konechny, respond immediately. Uh, should I talk to this person? We'll never find out what's happening otherwise. Uh, okay. This is GSA vessel Konechny. With whom do I have the pleasure Lieutenant of Commander Raymond Miblin. My brother Peter is on that ship, and I have been repeatedly prevented from speaking with him. I demand you restore our communications. I want to talk to Peter Miblin, and I want to talk to him right now. Relativity, episode 48, in which an ancient language is understood. Written, directed, and produced by Lee Shackelford. Featured in the cast were Alana Jordan, Clarence Brown, and Lee Shackelford. Carl Jones was heard as Raymond Miblin. The role of central computer Nadia was played by herself. Please rate this program and leave a comment about it wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us attract new listeners to share this journey. And find out much more about the series, including ways you can subscribe, hear past episodes, and connect with us through social media, and how you can get exclusive content, all on our website at relativitypodcast.com. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? It's Girl in Space. Tales of Sage and Savant. The Ninth World Journal. Oz9. Moonbase Theta. Out. It's Girl in Space. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? Find out at wi-fi sci-fi.org. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi.